in the name of our Lord Jesus, who calls us to turn from our sin, to trust in him, and to go to work for him. Dear saints, I imagine that we are all pretty familiar with the saying which says, actions speak louder than words. So imagine a parent goes to his child, her child, one morning and says, son or daughter, there's a couple of chores that I want you to be sure you do today around the house. Maybe you remind them maybe later on in the day, but the day goes on and on and on, and you get to the end of the day, and those chores were never done. The son or daughter really wasn't obedient, were they? Or imagine uh, you have a friend who comes to you and says, you know, I know it's your birthday next week, and, and I'm going to take you out to eat at your favorite restaurant. And then that day comes and that day goes, and you never even hear from him, never even wishes you a happy birthday. His words were not really words you could count on, were they? Or imagine a politician. Uh, it's before an election. He makes many speeches. There are glowing promises which he does not follow through on. His supporters may wonder if they've been deceived. People do sometimes try to fool other people with empty words. But of course, we cannot fool our God. Our God always sees and always understands when our words are less than sincere. And so, when we fall into a sin, a sin of speaking empty words before our Lord, a loving Lord and Savior Jesus calls us to repent. And we see this call this morning. We see it here in today's gospel lesson from Matthew chapter 21. Jesus is teaching in the temple courts on Tuesday of Holy Week. On the preceding Sunday, we call it Palm Sunday, Jesus had ridden triumphantly into Jerusalem, hearing the shouts of the crowds, their joyful hosannas. But the chief priests, the teachers, the elders, they looked at Jesus with great suspicion. The next day, the Monday, Jesus drove the money changers out of the temple. The temple was to be a place of prayer and reverence. But the chief priests, the teachers, the elders, they were very upset about it. The following day, this Tuesday, they, they come up to Jesus and they confront him, these religious leaders, and they demand to know from him by what authority he was doing these things. What authority? Now, they had asked a similar question of someone else sometime before this, that was the one who had come to pave the way for Jesus. We know him as John the Baptist. They had, they had wondered about his authority. They had even questioned it, of course. John preached that the people were to repent and, and turn to Christ in faith, but they rejected John's message, and they rejected the baptism that he offered. And now they were listening to the very one to whom John pointed, to the Savior. But they really weren't listening, and they didn't intend to follow his words. Why? Because these religious leaders trusted in themselves, trusted in their own works to save them, particularly 
they imagined that their obedience, their adherence and devotion to certain human traditions and laws would give them some kind of special merit before God. And that's why Jesus spoke the words of this parable to them, the parable about empty words. He was reaching out in love to these leaders, encouraging them to repent. So it was to these religious leaders that Jesus spoke the words of this parable, and then he posed the question, which of the two sons did what his father wanted? So, was it the son who first spoke evil words, but then changed his mind and, and went? Or was it the other son who first spoke politely to his father, but then never did make it into the vineyard? It was a simple question with a rather simple answer. And they gave their answer. They said, well, it was the first, the first son. And with that answer, those religious leaders condemned themselves because they were actually like that second son. On the outside, through their words, they would proclaim themselves to be obedient, devout children of God. And yet, their words were empty. Their nice-sounding words were empty. In another place, Jesus spoke about them this way. He said, These people honor me with their lips, but their hearts are far from me. I, I hope we recognize that this parable that Jesus told, this little short story, is, uh, is not to be reduced to some kind of simplistic uh, moral lesson. You know, be good, follow the rules, and God will be pleased with you, and everything will be fine. These religious leaders had a much deeper problem. They failed to follow God's commands because in their hearts, they did not trust him. They did not trust in Christ as their seed. Jesus' next words further exposed this heart problem. He told them, the tax collectors and the prostitutes are entering the kingdom of God ahead of you. Now, we can almost hear those religious leaders snarling a bit. What, what do you mean? These terrible sinners, these drugs of society, they're going to be accepted by God before us? And Jesus explained. He told them, when John the Baptist came, when he preached repentance, offered his baptism, these immoral people and tax collectors, these sinners believed and did repent. But the religious leaders did not. And now Jesus himself was standing there before them, calling out to them, just as the prophet Ezekiel had once called out and spoken for the Lord when he called to Israel, repent, turn away from all of your offenses, repent and live. That word repent, and in the the idea of repentance is a, is a strong word, and, and it is part of the theme of God's readings that we've heard today. But what, is, what does that word actually mean? Well, the word that Jesus used could literally be translated something like to have a change of mind or to have a change of heart. In one of our church's confessions, the early Lutheran reformers wrote about it this way. They said, Repentance consists of two parts, 
One part is contrition, that is, terror, striking the conscience through the knowledge of sin. And the other part is faith. Faith believes that for Christ's sake, sins are forgiven. And, and how will the forgiven believer go on to thank God? The Reformers talked about that too when they added, good works are bound to follow, which are the fruit of repentance. Now, it's not a difficult thing for a pastor to stand here and speak about repentance. Nor is it a difficult thing for any of you to talk about repentance. But it is a difficult thing for us to do it. To do it and to show our repentance and our obedience. It's rather easy to say to the Lord, Lord, I won't go to work for you today. But those are empty words if we never make it to the vineyard. If we come before God in worship, confessing our sin of hatred, but do we go away again then knowing that we'll cling to that grudge that we're holding against that person who offended us, refusing to love and to forgive? We gather before God and we pray that his name be hallowed, holy, special to us. But then, do we allow our lives to become so busy that we, we never quite get around to doing that regular reading from the scriptures which proclaim his holy name to us? We're quick to confess the sanctity of marriage, uh, to describe as, as the Bible does, that the marriage bed is holy. But then do we let our hearts be seduced by worldly lusts filled with unholy desires? We'll tell God for sure that, that he is first in our lives. But then do we fail to bring to him generously of our time, our talents, our labor, because our money and time have become more important? Have we ever promised to God that we will obey him when, when others are hearing us or watching us and then given in again to that pet sin when we think others do not see? Then we must know that our God does. We cannot fool him. We cannot hide behind empty words. Our God desires real repentance. In studying over Jesus' parable uh, this week and, 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 and thinking about how he explained it, I ran across one author who uh, wrote about it and he quoted or posed this question to his readers. He asked, which of the sons are you? And that's a good question for us to ask ourselves, isn't it? Which of the sons are you? Are, are you that son who who spoke faithful words but followed it with unfaithful actions? Or are you like that son who spoke evil words but then later went and did what his father asked? Perhaps there's some of each of those sons in us. Jesus tells us that um, those tax collectors and immoral people, they did repent. Both of those sons needed to repent, the ones who had unfaithful actions and 
the ones who had unfaithful words. But the immoral tax collectors and prostitutes and others, they did repent, Jesus said, after they listened to John preach. They believed in the Savior to whom he, appoint, he appointed, but the religious leaders did not. But Jesus showed his great love to those sinners. He showed his love to the, the, those who were outwardly, well, that might have been called the dregs of society, immoral people, when, when he called them to repent and brought them into his kingdom, showed them his great love. Um, and it was just as, as Ezekiel said, or the Lord through Ezekiel, I take no pleasure in the death of anyone. And, and then the fact that Jesus spent time with those religious leaders who opposed him, who hated him, who rejected him, also shows us his great patient love. Again, the Lord says, I take no pleasure in the death of anyone. And you know, God shows his grace, his loving grace to sons and daughters, just like you and me, when he calls us to repent, that is to confess our sins and to trust in Christ. Martin Luther once famously stated that a Christian's whole life really is one of repentance. God works that repentance in our hearts as he continually shows us our sins through the words of the law in his scriptures, but then points us to the one who took those sins away, to our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. And there is something more that we want to talk about from this text. There's something more that God has given to you and me that will help us every day of our life to think not only about those sins that we have fallen into and what they deserve, but how God has delivered us from them. And that is our baptism. Jesus, you noted, how he, he spoke about baptism in connection with this little story that he told, this parable. Because he wants us to think of it often, to remember it. The scriptures teach us that in our baptism, our sins are washed away and we became children of God. We died to sin and we were raised to new life with Christ. But God would also have us know that our baptism is not just a past event, not just something happened some time ago, maybe a long time ago. Daily, daily we can return to our baptism. We can return taking seriously God's warnings about sin, confessing those sins, drowning the old sinful nature in us. And daily we can take hold of the promise God makes in baptism, that our sins are forgiven, that we are connected to Christ, that he, he has raised us up and, and gives us strength to, to live a new life in gratitude to him for his love. God works in our hearts. He works in our hearts to bring about a change of mind, a change of heart, and by the strength of his love, he moves us for a change in our lives as well. He sets us free to live a new life in gratitude for the Lord so that we strive to follow him with obedient words and action. Today, you've heard another one of Jesus' little stories. We call it a parable, a story in which he speaks about his kingdom, the parable of the two sons.
And I pray that in this short story, you will hear the loving voice of your Savior Jesus speaking to you. He does call us to repent of our unfaithful actions, the times that we have told God that we will follow him, but we did not. He wants us to understand that by his humble death on the cross, our forgiveness for those in all of our sins is complete. And he will help us find joy in a life of gratitude that goes to work for him. Amen. May the peace of God that passes understanding guard your hearts and minds through faith in Christ. Amen.